The Mighty Whites podcast is recorded at the Medicine Room Studios. For more information, visit medicineroomstudios.com. And we are live for episode 102 of the Mighty Whites podcast. Uh, ah, you know, it's funny, but we'll come to it. Uh, there's big news from today. Uh, the day see a Sandale, no. Uh, <laughs> that's not our bit, is it? Um, no. no, the uh, the news is that the San Francisco 49ers, or the investment arm of it anyway, headed up by Palad Marath has uh, increased its stake in Leeds United to 37%. Uh, the initial figure floated about was 50 million, although Andrea Radizani, I believe, had said that it's higher than that. But it must not be much higher than that, or there would have been a correction issued. Uh, so, like, 50-odd million to take them up to 37%, which it sounds as if overall the deal will value the club at, like, 250 to 280 million. Um Obviously, we don't know much about the finances and stuff, but obviously the club needed this money for the massive losses of finance due to COVID and everything. Uh, it's been on the cards for a while, but it's good to see it get done. Yeah, they've taken a fairly active role with things now, and it's, uh, I forget how you pronounce his name, Parag. Parag Marath, is it? That's the thing. I don't because I, I I haven't had a chance to. He's done an interview with Adam Pope today, him and Radizani, and I haven't had a chance to listen to it. I've only seen it written down. It's either Parag Marath or Marath or Marathe. I think it's Marath. No, right. I'm, I'm um, not actually 100 percent sure. But yeah, it's uh, it's bumped him up to uh, vice chairman now. Yeah. So he, but they, you know, they've he's been on the he's been on the board since the initial investment, I believe, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been he's been on for quite a while, and you know it seems to be a, a, a partnership that seems to be working quite well at the moment. And um, certainly, the the one thing I do find a little bit comforting, it does seem to move us away from the uh, Qatari money that we were always been linked with. It does seem, you know, if if there was going to be a takeover happening, it does seem more likely at this stage that it would be the Forty ers taking over essentially. Uh, yeah, it does. Because obviously, I mean, you know, there are benefits to being taken over by Qatari oil billions. But I think we've gone on record a fair few times about why we don't want that to happen. Um, this, The reason why I'm pleased to say it is it wasn't necessary. It injects capital into the club, which helps. It shows that they are very confident that, they, that we're staying up. Because you wouldn't buy in at an increased price if you weren't confident of that. No. Um, and again, it, it it does seem like this. You know, their investment has been very well thought out. The, the times when they have injected cash into the club, um, it, and like you say, it, it shows a, that level of confidence in 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 the position leads are in now that they are going to stay up. That they are at least, and, and to be honest, probably not going to be dragged into a full blown relegation scrap or anything like that. Mm. Um, however much you know, I it's one of those things where I think it sounds great because your first thought is 
oh, lovely money to spend on players, but that's not really what I see that money for right now. Like, there might be a portion of it go towards transfers, but given our track record in January and, and how Arthur and Bielsa seem to feel about January signings, I, I can't see it being an investment just for transfers. Yeah, it sounds, from the way that they were talking and the bits I've seen, it doesn't look as if it's going to be spent on a load of players. As much as it did lead to just 500 pictures of Rodrigo de Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, there's a few things. I mean, it's just, I don't know how much they've lost due to COVID, but genuinely, this might be needed just to run us through the end of the season until the next lot of TV money. Because, you know, what was this TV money? 130 million, and we spent 100 odd mm. in the summer. We are. Uh, it was probably needed just to get us through. But I'm pleased that it is the 49ers coming in because it does appear they have been good minority stakeholders since they came in. And their specialism of like, you know, getting really good commercial deals and really good stuff with stadiums and how to make the most of the space you've got. And that's the sort of thing we need to do because we lag miles behind a lot of Premier League teams for stuff like that. You know, maybe, maybe they can, as much as I as much as Ed Woodward is very, very bad at the football side of his job at times, you know, them having an official tractor, an official this, and this <laughs> and that, we, we could probably do with some of that. Uh, uh, the official Chinese, the official Chinese snack food partners. Of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We want um, all of that. We want every penny. <laughs> certainly. And, and one of the things I, I found and, and kind of having spent some time in America and, and going to, a couple of different stadiums over there. Just generally, the facilities in American stadiums are fantastic. And, you know, I'm used to going to Providence Park, which is has been there since the 20s, I believe. So, you know, in its core, it's an old building. But the, just the general facilities and the way fans are treated is, is so much better there. And, and, you know, it's made so much easier, whether it's just in terms of uh, having tickets that you can like being able, the ability to sell your season ticket for a single game um have people printing out paper tickets and get into games that way you know that's the sort of thing i would like to see come into ellen road in the near future the the food side of things i would like to see improve because it's it's sort of like once you've been to the emirates and then you go back to ellen road you're like they know what they're doing at arsenal yeah, they also know how to charge you 45 quid for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying with the prices, but, you know, certainly. And, and look, I know as a football fan, you kind of get used to, here is your shit burger for £4, deal with it. But it'd be nice to have some options as a fan where you, where you have, you know, a pizza bar at one place. You have, um, you know, you have... Chinese food or whatever you want, like chips and, and burgers and that, and all different options. It'd just be quite nice to have that as a fan where it's not just, here is your crap, go for it. You say, I have to admit, as much as it would be nice for us to do it well and to have the stadium modernised and all of that, but I don't really give a shit about that. <laughs> I, it, I think it's a good idea, but it's more an abstract concept of it being a good idea. <laughs> like, I just, yeah, I, I mean, it's if the beer could where... be a bit nicer. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, and this is sort of a different discussion in and of itself. But I did think the brief period when stadium when fans were allowed back into games would have been a great time to trial 
having alcohol in seats. What, when it's all socially distanced anyway? Yeah, when it's socially distanced, when you've got low numbers of people there anyway, and just... Because I do think football has got to a stage now. I mean, you you did the same thing loads of us did, where obviously we, we won tickets to go in Ken Bates' box for for a game. And, mm. and the idea that you're in this luxury box... I say luxury because Ken didn't in, have the top-tier one. No. Um, <laughs> but the idea that you sat in there and however much you pay for a ticket, but then when the game kicks off, you can't even look out of the window with a beer in your hand that they've got to close the <laughs> curtains is insane as the <laughs> rules go. Um, you know, so I did think that, you know, this would have been a good time to look into stuff like that because, because I do think at this stage you have to give football fans a bit of credit. Um, but I would, I would like to see the modernization of Ellen road one, I think from its, the basic facilities in as much as, the West End needs rebuilding completely. Yeah, but, that's the thing. I, I was I was going to say that next. I wonder if it isn't all getting piled into transfers. I wonder if long term a big part of this partnership with the Forty ers will be the West End. Yeah, it's something that desperately needs doing and and has, has needed a load of work because that's been there since it was the the fifties or sixties when it burned down, and yeah, they and they rebuilt it then. And it's just a concrete bunker. And I always laugh when you see the players that are sat behind the dugouts there because that section there, there is no leg room whatsoever, <laughs> which is why I imagine you see every player with their feet o- uh, over the seats in front of them. Mm. Um, and it is certainly a part of the ground that needs overhauling desperately. Yeah. It doesn't look like it's going to be a massive impact immediately, like off the field, like, from what he was saying, it seems as if Radrizani's in no rush to go anywhere. He's quite happy staying, uh, which I'm pleased about because, I mean, he's he, apart from the odd big PR gaffe, he has been good. Uh, so it do, I, I think short term, we won't really notice much difference, but it's just good to know it's done because it has been being talked about, not even behind the scenes, like openly talked about ever since... As soon as we got promoted, like one of the first things Radrizani said was, I wonder if the 49ers are going to put the money where the mouth is, basically. Yeah. And it seems like they have. Yeah. I will say, as you mentioned, PR gaffes, I think I read somewhere yes, uh, yesterday was uh, three years to the day that we unveiled this <laughs> as, the, as the badge. <laughs> someone uh, someone re- uh, shared the tweet, which is still up, apparently. Um so yeah, yeah uh, Will, Wilson the... probably Wilson probably wants to keep it up because he's saying we're going to have something really funny for this in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I I always find it funny when you see, and I know Twitter and, and Facebook aren't what you should really go off to to try and gauge people's opinions on on football. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the people you see generally tagging Adrian Radrizani and things are. I don't want to sound like Ken Bates, but a lot of them do tend to be of the crackpot persuasion. The ones uh, that do it every day are. If if he's actually done something, I think it's fair enough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you, the sort of people who tagged him in things when he donated a few grand to Pride Weekend and stuff like that, those, yeah. those are the ones <laughs> I'm concerned with. But, um, you know, for, for the most part, Andrea Radrizani has been the best owner we've had for since Leslie Silver and Bill Fotherby. 
Probably. I mean, probably. The truth is, it's long enough ago that I can't really comment on that. Like, I because I don't yeah. really remember it. The first one I remember being owner is Redtail. Yeah. Well, I say owner, but <laughs> um, first, first bo- bollocks custodian we had. That I, it, that's the first one I can remember, really. So, uh, yeah, but, you, you just think of, of the stuff he's done, and 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 yes, the, the like you say, there have been flirtations with a few PR gaffes and his uh, approach to Twitter at times can send people into a frenzy, but for the most part, he, he's, his day-to-day running of the club has, has been fantastic. You know, between him, Kinnear, Arter, um, you know, this is it's the best the club's been running decades. Yeah. Uh, I suppose another thing that some of it might well go on, if because it'll need doing before we get the next lot of TV money, is I'm assuming that if it was £300,000 to get a new top layer for the pitch off Spurs, I'm assuming that the full relay with all the drainage and everything is going to be a couple of million, probably. So that'll be part of it as well, I dare say. Uh, to be fair as well, when that deal was first approached, I, I think Spurs were looking for a, a loan with a view to a permanent, but given the way John kevin Augustan went last year, I think Leeds were just thinking, no, let's just put the money down now, get the pitch in, and and uh, we'd have to worry about these things. But did you did you watch the video, by the way, of, of, Sp- of that video of Spurs taking the top layer off? Uh, no, I, I, I know that they have, I know that they do that for having the NFL and the normal pitch and Yeah, when when the deal happened, I think Phil Hay uh, posted a link to a video from Spurs YouTube of of the way they kind of moved the pitch. And you know when you're just looking at a bit of grass and then it's like the launch of Thunderbird 1 where there's just (laughs) chunks of the pitch are just disappearing to I don't entirely know where, seemingly just just going to move this out of the way. And then there's just an NFL pitch there. Um, it's it's something that I just completely forgot about the idea that they have the ability to sell a pitch is uh, it's very 2021 football yeah, yeah. Stephen Olsen messaging ah the Gaviscon badge yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what Gaviscon have had great use out of that badge yeah oh god it was it was when Zamalek were taking the piss and I was like <laughs> how the fuck have we ended up in this situation <laughs> No, um, it was. That's uh, it. It's good to have it all done. I'm sure over the next couple of days, we'll hear more about it and maybe a few more specifics. But nothing's particularly going to come out uh, today. Leeds under 23s were meant to play Wolves, but it got called off for a frozen pitch. So, uh, which I was looking forward to the game just because I always like watching the 23s. But it also gives us a few clues for the game tomorrow. Um, I guess that to be honest, we'll. You know what? We won't go into the game yet because I, there was going to be something come up. I I try and not particularly go into stuff about other clubs on this podcast if I can help it. But um, fragile Frank has been sacked. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, well, I just want to say that it was a quite a good time to go on stand your ground yesterday and talk about how Frank Lampard just is objectively not a very good manager. <laughs> to do it the day before he gets sacked. But um, are you glad to see him gone? 
I'm going to I'm going to do this in two parts. I'm, I'm going to take my Leeds United hat off for a second uh, and say, from a purely coaching f- football perspective, the idea of you finishing fourth, which, which for them was a successful season last season, and thinking for the next year we are going to try and bed in six new players to that squad instead of picking three key positions and going, let's improve them, keep the, the core of that squad as it is. And instead, you, you've, you've just brought in a load of players who are who will need time to bed in. And yes, a couple of them are struggling for form as well. But, you know, I, I said this about um, Southampton years ago when, when Adkins got sacked because they'd spent a load of money in the summer. Hmm. And if you spend, like, you shouldn't just look at how much a club spends, but if you're going to spend as much money as Chelsea have and find yourself only three points ahead of Leeds, um, yeah, like you, you, your job probably should be in trouble. Um, yeah. from, from a Leeds United fan point of view, fuck Frank Lampard, you're a shit coach. With You're given the, an absolute treasure chest of a transfer budget and you fucked it up, didn't you, Frank? <laughs> And you're a proven liar and an objectively bad person and a massive Tory. <laughs> and all of these things. Um, no, I was a... I mean, I. it was always going to happen. By the sounds of it, it isn't just the... Did you see like the statement saying, has left us in mid-table with no real hope of improving? I know. I, so it, was, it was a bit... You know, I, I don't think it's harsh, but... It was, I was surprised at it, but it sounds like he fell out with uh, Marina Granovskaya. Yeah. So she is, other than Abramovich, she's top dog. So you can't really do that. They apparently like offered Ralph Ranyuk the job last week and then thought, oh no, he don't want it, so we'll keep Lampard. Uh, they tried to get Nagelsmann, but he won't go in the middle of the season, so they've got Tuchel. I don't think yeah. they've actually announced Tuchel yet, but he is—he has got the job. Yeah, I mean, I, it's one of the things in football I, I do absolutely hate seeing is when a club has someone lined up straight away. And, I, and I, I'm not an idiot; I know why it happens. But if you've got so if if you've got so little faith in your manager, why keep him around for any more games? Like I know yeah. it was just I know it was an FA Cup. So just get rid of him because yeah. I, I just think it looks ridiculous to to then essentially you know and it was the same with West Brom earlier. Like this idea because how how ridiculous it looked for West Brom when oh look at Billich he's not going to keep us oh shit he's just got a really hard fought draw against Man City yeah and a really good result yeah. ah fuck well, it we'll sack him anyway like yeah. it just looks ridiculous yeah it is I mean there was. And surely it would have been better to get them in for the Luton game. In theory, a new manager has an easy game to bed themselves in. Yeah. Because, uh, like, the other thing was, apparently Lampard, like, shook his hat, shook hands with all the players and thanked them for their efforts after the Leicester yeah. game. So after the Leicester game, he knew he was done. Uh, Jason Middleton there saying he's ruined those new signings. I don't know, <laughs> if, I don't know if they're all complete. I don't think that they're all beyond hope. But it is an achievement to make Tino, Timo Werner who I nearly called Tino because of Tino Asprey there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, 
Timo Werner and Kai Havertz and make them look like really poor footballers. I mean, that, that takes some doing. Uh, they, I've just had hands as well, and there was a video saying he kept going to him, to asking him to sat, re-sign Declan Rice, and it annoyed him. And the dressing room felt the manager showed no empathy and were hurt by his public criticism. Well, that's good that they've said that, because that's one of the things I was going to br- bring up about him. As much as him lying about Spygate, and I can say that because he said the police went in the training ground and because uh, because that guy was in there and the police came out and categorically said that wasn't true. So he's a liar. Yeah. That's just a fact. There's no way out of that. And there is all the 9-11 stuff that he said to all those Americans when he was pissed up. You know, there's various reasons not to like Frank Lampard. But just in terms of re- really recent... The way that he came out and had a go at his players and blamed everything on them at all times and didn't take any criticism on him. I, I say he didn't take any criticism. He'd say, well, you know, we all take responsibility, but these players, they really need to. <laughs> and he'd just go on one about them every single time. Now, if, he, if, if you do that, if you're in charge of a team, if you do that behind closed doors, fine. But to come out publicly and just say it's all the players' fault, they're all rubbish. And then wonder, I'll tell you what, they're not putting in 100% for me. I wonder fucking why. I, yeah. don't, I don't agree with them. They should always put in 100%. But I've said it a million times. At the top level of sport, it only takes a 2% drop-off in motivation. And it'll make a massive difference. Because everyone at that level, as much as there are some that really stand out, everyone at that level is a brilliant footballer. So it doesn't take much for it to suddenly not be there anymore. Yeah, you can, you can understand sort of publicly going at your players if you if you kind of into a six, seven game run of poor results. I, I sort of understand that. Lampard was pretty much there from from day dot when you know the, the first one I really remember is the Arsenal result where you know Chelsea were poor that day. Ars- you got to give credit to Arsenal for that game, but Chelsea were so poor. Mm. And he even said like, he started the, his his post match interview saying, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to me and my decisions. And you're like, all right, fair enough. And then it was just. These players have got to take a long, hard look at themselves for the way they perform. I'm like, just that's what you say in the dressing room. Like, mm. and we all understand that. Like, I understand Marcel Bielsa probably. Well, I'm not sure. Sometimes then, because a lot of the time he just says it is my fault. Now there are certainly times when it, it is the player's fault, but Marcelo is just he's just. I take the blame for this. I'm in charge. I make these decisions. Um. Now. That's why you do that. And I know it makes for boring press conferences where everyone says the same thing. But that's sort of the language of football that, you know, you you are united in front of the press. Hammer them in the dressing room. Do whatever you like there. But you hung them out to dry very quickly. Yeah. And uh, it's already happening. I put a glib tweet out early on for it all together as a gant just saying... Oh, if any of them say he's been treated harshly, I will be uh, a bit disappointed and not all shocked. Yeah. Because I knew it was going to happen and it didn't take long. Uh, Gary Lineker was one of them, but pretty much every major sports writer like that, that has anything to do with London at all 
was saying, oh, this is this is the most shocking sacking that Chelsea have ever done. It's, well, and, that, that was the uh, no, that was it was John Cross of the Mirror. That one was my was my favourite of the of the people saying of all Mourinho. Uh, sorry, of all the uh, Abramovich sackings, this one is the is the most uh, mind boggling. You're like. Di Matteo won the Champions League and was sacked within five months. And yeah, you're telling me that someone who spent over 200 million is languishing in mid-table? Yeah. That's, the, that's the confusing one, is it? Yeah, like the... I mean, Ancelotti was doing... But didn't Ancelotti win the league and go... Uh, they, like, they didn't renew Scolari after he did everything as well. Yeah, uh, Mourinho they sacked him twice. The second one, fair enough, they were like fourteen, but the first one <laughs> was a bit. Yeah. Hard. They've Mar- done it Mourinho, base, Mourinho as the best manager in your club's history. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, like, and I know at this point, you know what you're getting into when you take that job with Abramovich. Like you just know that you know you have a, a shelf life there. But this did essentially what I'm going to say is. Does this defence happen if he's not English? Um, probably not. I mean, it, Sarri is a weird example because technically Sarri didn't get sacked. Sarri agreed to take the Juventus job. But that entire season, he was getting shit off the press the whole way through the season and off the Chelsea fans for the way he was playing. And, you know, what did he do? Finish third and win the Europa League? Which is obje- it and I, as much as I'm going to say it, I still think last season Lampard did a better job than I expected him to do by a distance. He got him in the Champions League, got to the cup final. Like I was expecting a complete failure. I was expecting tenth because I don't think he's a good manager. He took Derby from sixth to sixth by adding three players that then walked into Premier League teams the next season, and mm. two that are playing in the Champions League now. Uh. And took him from six to six. He did a better job than I expected last season, and this season he's reverted to type. That Leicester performance where they got beat 2 0, they, they just were awful. So I'm not shocked at all, and I'm glad he's gone because, above everything else, I just think the man's an arsehole. Like, above all else, because generally speaking, if a if a team I don't like has a manager that I don't think is very good, I would like them to keep the job. Yeah. <laughs> Generally no, speaking, but the, again, difference, the difference is with this: I hate Frank Lampard more than I hate Chelsea. <laughs> again, just just from my a purely footballing perspective, the idea of having a season managing a championship team that was expected to get in the playoffs and challenge for promotion that met the expectation of getting in the playoffs, losing in the final, and then, yes, I understand the position Chelsea were in at the time, but the ex- I think the expectation was still there for them to at least, if not qualify for the Champions League, at least battle for a place in the Champions League. Oh, uh, yeah, it's not, like they were, it's not like they were expected to finish eighth or something. Yeah. And Except for me, who thought he'd make a complete bollocks of it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, from a purely footballing perspective, his career path did not, his you know first team managerial career of one year did nothing to warrant that job. Mm. Um, I, you know, and I know 
you could then you then ask the question of people like Steven Gerrard, where he he went straight from essentially youth coaching to the Rangers job, mm. but he you know one he's in, gone into a job and done well at it, so you've got to give him that for his first mm. job. But by all accounts, he's, he spent a lot of time in, in youth coaching and even while he was still playing, spent a lot of time working with the younger teams there. Hmm. Um, so, I don't know. It's one of those strange things because on, on the one hand, I want young English managers to do well. On the other hand, I don't like Frank Lampard and he's a dickhead and I'm glad he's been sacked. Yeah. <laughs> I am I am really, 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 really pleased to see the back of him. Now, I'm never pleased to see like people lose their jobs like, oh, even if it's a sector that I don't like, this company is laying off a load of people. That's always bad news. But mm. Frank Lampard losing his job, the man's a millionaire. It doesn't fucking matter. It just make him sad, and I'm glad he's sad. <laughs> I want him to be unhappy. Not so unhappy that it's horrendous for him. Just a bit, un- just base level unhappy. Just uh, so He's going to have a sulk for, uh, for a while now. Yeah, it'll, but you know what will happen? Between now and end of season, it'll be on Monday Night Football about four times. It'll be fucking nauseating. We'll have the Euros in the summer and then Lampard will get the England job. He'll oh. fail at that. Then he'll, the go back, then he'll go back to a club in the Championship or maybe League One derby. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think that's something else we should mention quickly is uh, Wayne Rooney's little jibe at Leeds. In, when he oh yeah retired, about that. when he officially retired and became Derby's permanent manager, I don't See, want I don't want our team to be a Leeds. What a team that won the division you're in by ten fucking points. <laughs> See, like I wouldn't mind, but just months prior to making that comment, he'd been stood giving Leeds a guard of honor. Yeah. <laughs> he was there. <laughs> and, you're just looking. I mean, they're they're twenty first in the table now, three points ahead of, uh, sorry, uh, five points ahead of Rotherham, who are next in the relegation zone. But like, it's not as if he's had a big turnaround since he's been in charge. They, they, they have, they've moved up the table. They've been better. It's not saying yeah. a lot compared to me, but they have been better. <laughs> but it seems such a, an odd. And I don't know if it was one of those where I, I would guess that it was a comment made to get the Derby fans on board a little bit. Yeah. Like, that's, that's all as, I can... As much as he looks stupid, Wayne Rooney isn't actually stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just, but it just seems such an odd bit of shade to throw at Leeds for, for no <laughs> other reason. Yeah, but... I think he'll he'll do fine to start with. I'm not sure what he'll be like as a manager. Again, it's probably too soon. It's quite a big job to get, but it might have even been part of the weird deal of getting him there in the first place. Slightly you know, it's off. <laughs> no, and yeah, it's like, but I mean, the if we end up without a manager, it's probably you. Which, which again, I like. We speak. I spoke of Frank Lampard's limited experience before getting the Derby job. At least he'd had a couple of years coaching youth football. Wayne Rooney was part-time youth coach, yeah. and then, yep, yeah, you can have a go. You can have a go, Wayne. 
I think it says a lot that Wayne Rooney is Man United's top scorer ever, and I like him a million times more than Frank Lampard. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even close. Uh, And, like, that's one of the questions. Like, there's lots of things to dislike about Frank Lampard as a person. I don't rate him as a manager. You know who else I don't rate as a manager? Is it Steve Bruce? It is indeed Steve Bruce. Um, Newcastle away tomorrow, six o'clock. Uh, I believe it's BT Sport, isn't it? This one. Uh, oh, I don't know. I would have to check because honestly, I'm not sure. <laughs> but the, uh, this is one of those weird games. Like Newcastle have been just dreadful with no way, like absolutely horrendous lately. They, yeah, lost four of their last five, and the other was a draw. Yeah, and it's gone. It's going back further than that. Like, haven't they only scored one in like the last seven games or something? They've been. You say that though. That could also be Liverpool in the league. It's too strange to compare those two. Yeah, I, I, I have faith in one of them to play some decent attacking <laughs> stuff at some point and turn it around. Uh, but you know, it's been really bad there. But fear not, Newcastle fans. Because Steve Bruce says that he's going to do it his way now. What was he doing before? What was he doing before when he was... Whose way was it? Yeah, when he was sitting back playing defensive and playing 5-4-1. That apparently wasn't his way. That was Rafa Benitez's fault, apparently. (laughs) Uh, Now, Rafa Benitez left, what, the beginning of... Steve Bruce took over the beginning of last season? Yeah. Like the summer before? But it was still Rafa Benitez's fault. Now, they, he was saying a lot of stuff, basically going, you know, I finished a place higher than Rafa, than Benitez did last season, which is true, he did. But the difference is Rafa Benitez looked as if there was some sort of plan and was always out in the press going, I don't, I want to play better than this. I need Mike Ashley to give me some money to sign this guy and this guy and this guy. Steve Bruce is just such an uninspiring manager. And have you have you spoke to either directly, probably not likely at the minute, or just heard anyone on a podcast or anything? Newcastle fans are miserable. And I mean, I can't blame them. It, as much as we've had really low ebbs, you know, of League One and stuff, it's not the level of football, it's the style of football. They're, they're like I was when we had Warnock. Just yeah, I, I, barely motivated to go. Yeah, if you, if you listen to the the latest episode of the Phil Hay show, the they, they I think it's Michael Normanton likens it to the worst of of Bates and and yeah Warnock, where it was just the sheer lack of ambition that made you just sit there and just go, well, what what is the point of us even being here? There was no attempt to move higher than stay in the division, um, and it like I, I, I've fortunately it's been enough time now, and I've watched this be good for the last few years, so the memory's starting to fade a little bit, mm. and I and I missed a couple of the Chilino years with me with me being abroad, but you know, there's times when you're just watching games and, you know, I was waking up for games at like five in the morning and I, I specifically remember us playing Middlesbrough and losing 3-0, having woken up at five in the morning and go, why did I bother? Like, why did I expect anything different? Yeah. Uh, 
that that is what Steve Bruce will do. Uh, Jason Middleton there just left us a comment saying Steve Bruce played a back five against Sheffield United for Christ's sake, an incredible lack of ambition. And I can't, I couldn't agree with him anymore on that. Could you, like they, I'm, I can understand playing a, fa- a back five if you were playing really attacking wing backs and really going for it, but that's mm. not what he does. But he has said in a press conference that his when he was asked about his way. And he did say that it is pragmatic, but he said engaging higher up the pitch and stuff, like 20 to 30 yards higher up the pitch, which in theory would actually help us playing against them. Yeah. Uh, uh, Alex Ferguson saying that it's hard to believe their best striker, Dwight Gale, doesn't play. Don't mention Dwight Gale around Leeds fans. They'll start banging on about wanting to sign him again. Uh, (laughs) No, um, it's it's tough because I don't know this I mentioned this when we played them last time. Like I understood then that they'd come off the back of uh, been in lockdown and, and basically had two weeks off training and stuff like and if you'd have gone right, we are gonna play five at the back, we are gonna sit deep and we are you know, having watched Leeds in the championship against lower teams, they really they really struggle to to break teams down that sit back and will just try and counterattack them. There was none of that. The defence was completely unorganised. The, the front two, uh, Joel Linton barely moved. Was it? Yeah. it was Joel Linton that barely moved yeah. if there was a ball went more than a yard away from him. Well, I think it says a lot that the last two games he's played Callum up top with, Cal- with Callum Wilson. Yeah, and, and, and again, like with that, even if your plan was we are going to knock it long, hope Carroll wins the knockdowns to Callum Wilson, it makes some sense. It, again, it's terrible football to watch, but mm. and, and to be honest, that would be a plan that would undo Leeds more than any other. Well, that's what I'm expecting, to be honest. I think, I don't know whether it'll be 4-4-2 or 5-3-2, but mm. I do think they'll play two up front and force us to play three centre-backs. Yeah. And not knock long balls at Andy Carroll because... I mean, as much as he hasn't got the same goals going to you, he's still you're still not going to win much in the air against him. No, and, and, and when you watch him, the, the one thing, if nothing else, the defenders must walk away from games with him where they feel like they must have just done you know nine rounds with Tyson because he just launches himself into into these aerial challenges. And I think it was uh, last season at the back end when. Man City played Newcastle and Aymeric Laporte just came off the field with about 10 minutes left just shaking his head Yeah, I think Andy Carroll had just beaten him up for 80 minutes yeah uh, their team news it sounds like I mean St Maximan came back for last game but he had Covid for a long time and it really messed him up so I doubt he'll be fit enough to start Manquillo's mm. uh, probably out Federico Fernandez, Kieran Clark and Paul Dummett are all out so that's a bit of a problem at the back from. So you might see like Isaac Hayden at centre back or something like that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's better news for us. Diego Lorente is fit. I don't know if he'll start, but he is fit. I'm hoping he does, to be honest. But the the you using him in the graphic for the game. Oh, did we use him as the actual? Yeah, I believe so. Which which seemed an interesting one. Yeah, it uh, it, it doesn't necessarily. I know, mean I know, but... I know with the BBL, so he. he... Yeah, it you doesn't. Have, I was about to say you could put Hugo Diaz in there. I was like, oh, that's a bit of a throwback. Yeah, I was going to say um, it, um, it doesn't mean nothing. I would say that. Yeah, and 
at this point, if if he's up to it, I would like to see him coming at centre back, mm. and especially if if we're going to go up against someone like Andy Carroll, mm. because as much as I love Luke Ayling, he is not going to cause Andy Carroll any problems, and I, and I know that realistically, you'd probably put Liam Cooper on him, mm. um, but I'd rather have two or at least two. Or if we're going to go three at the back, three actual centre backs in there. Yeah, uh, uh, get Ailing back out wide. Yeah, the other news we've got: Phillips is back from suspension, which I always say is our most important player for the way we play. So having him back is massive, and praise every single deity that anyone could ever come up with. Melier's back. Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, seeing him back in training, I think we all breathe a, a, a collectively large sigh of relief. Honestly, there was a tornado warning in Leeds just from everyone going, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, thank God. Yeah, great news to have, have Melier back. Um, it's At this point, it, it's not far off full strength. There's only really Robin Cock on, on the injury list now. Of yeah, anyone. For this season, obviously, you've still got Forshaw and Berardi there who are... Uh, for what You're it's worth, Bielsa, Bielsa did say today, Berardi's not a million miles off being back training. And as always, he said, Forshaw isn't too far away. But with Forshaw, unfortunately... <laughs> it's just a running joke now. I just, I just, I just don't believe it anymore. <laughs> I, I, I think, I I think it'll just that. one day be an announcement that he's now our under-18s manager and that's his <laughs> career done or something like that. Like, I hope it's not true, but I wouldn't be shocked. Nah, like, I know, I know last season... I know he talks about doing his coaching badges while he's in, in the last year or so. Yeah, he spoke about that on the, the first season of the Take Us Home documentary. Yeah, that was I it. Was saying, ever since, he said, I never really thought about it until Bielsa came in, and now all of a sudden I know that I really want to do this. Yeah. Um, so, for sure, he's, I'd love to see I'd, I'd love him and uh, him to get like the Paddy Kiz Norbo. At least get to kick a ball this season. A giant bandage around his hip. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's even his hip anymore. Um, but no, you know, we're, we're pretty much there with a full-strength squad if, if Llorente is, is fit enough to play. Um, it'd be great to see him in. And hopefully with Calvin there, it kind of allows Click to, to tick a little bit better and in turn, I, I don't know if it is that lack of Calvin. I know Click's been off the ball for a few weeks now, but especially the Brighton game when with Calvin out, if that kind of makes Click think he's got to do a little bit more of the defensive side of it, which then sees him drop a little bit, which puts a bit of a gap between him and Rodrigo. Um, I could be completely making this up, but um, hopefully having Calvin back will kind of get the rest of the midfield ticking. I think it helps literally every other position on the pitch having Phillips there. Yeah. I think it makes that much difference. I just checked, and you, I think Newcastle's last 10 in all competitions, no wins, they've drawn three, and they've only scored four goals. So, 1-0 Newcastle, Andy Carroll, 89th minute. Uh, I mean, I will say, it, and I think I said to you before, such a Newcastle thing. Who were, who were the one team that lost to Derby in their ill-fated Premier League season 
Newcastle. Who's the one team that lost to Sheffield United so far this season? It's Newcastle. It's just... Uh, I don't know how they've gone in, in... in my footballing lifetime, since about 1996, from title challenges to mainstays in the Champions League to briefly a yo-yo club between the Championship and the Premier League to, oh my God, please just stay in the Premier League. That's all we want. Yeah. And, well, that's the thing. That's what they are on the pitch and in the boardroom, but that's not what the fans are. And that's why it's such... Like, I do have... Genuinely, I do have sympathy with Newcastle fans because yeah. it—they shouldn't be this bad with the setup they have and everything. Like their training ground, they are now finally doing some work with it, but it was like a ramshackle piece of shit. Yeah, when they, there was no need for it to be. It, it, that should have always been fixed. I mean, I don't know if it was the same one, but I assume when I watched um, the original goal film and Santiago Munoz was training there, it looked okay then, but that was, you know, 2006. Yeah, uh, I, I believe Mike Ashley is still trying to bring him in because he's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... Um, I, I'm trying to remember which comedian it is now. I think it was Neil Delamere saying, uh, it's a really ironic nickname in a club, the Magpies, for someone who hasn't seen any silver for such a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like again, it at, at least when they had Shearer there, they, they were vaguely competing for things and they did play in cup finals. And god, what they must be they'd kill for, yes, let's finish sixth. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Now, I, be- I know we would too, but we've been away and come back and shown some ambition in the league and played with some st- like I only like, I mean, I've it's not even just guessing. Every single news, lots of Newcastle fans like on Twitter and stuff have been posed this question, and every single one of them basically wishes that they had Bielsa. But I've seen, I've even seen some of them go, "Right, you play like Leeds, but you get relegated, or you keep playing like this and you finish seventeenth. And I've seen several of them go, "Fuck it, we'll go down. I just want to watch something interesting. Because, and I suppose once, once you've been there with a couple of relegations within. A few seasons. I'm not talking like us with relegation down two divisions. Yeah. When you've yo-yoed a couple of times, you, you must lose that fear of relegation a little bit. Like it, obviously, it's always going to hurt. But once you've been through it a couple of times, then going through it a third time, you might as well go. You know, it's not flying; it's falling with style. Like you might as well get relegated while having a go because it's if you're going to get relegated it's a bit like no getting divorced <laughs> <laughs> it happens um, once you're on your third one you don't really give a shit anymore <laughs> um, yeah you, you might as well like once you if you're getting relegated there's no difference between losing 6-2 and losing 3-0 like yeah. at least you have something to celebrate in the 6-2 yeah uh, do you think we'll have anything to celebrate tomorrow I, I really think so. Like that, they we were our own worst enemy in that game. That's like, that was when we played the Maryland Road. It was very much the oh god, set pieces. <laughs> Sorry, which late nineties, early two thousands film are we watching right now? All of them. All of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, they 
they offered so little on the ball. You know, I think it was is it Matt Ryan was the one player who, who did anything on the ball. I'm guessing that uh, you mean Matt Ritchie. Matt Ritchie. Uh, Matt, Matt Ryan's Ritchie? Matt Ryan's Brighton's second choice keeper who's just gone on loan to yeah, Arsenal. Who, yeah, who second choice keeper. Ryan Fraser. Is it, uh, Ryan, Ryan Fraser. Sorry. <laughs> I got the Ryan part. He was the only one who who posed any level of threat and he wasn't up to much. I think he got subbed after about 50, 60 minutes last time. There's no one in their team I'm particularly scared of in terms of ability. There's Andy Carroll's physical presence where I'm genuinely worried for the physical well-being of a couple of our defenders. If he but, gets a chance, Callum Wilson is a really good striker. Yeah. Um, but again, like the, I'm not as concerned about him at the moment just because I, I don't see him getting the service. Mm. Um, and I don't see any signs of this being a different Newcastle to the one we played a couple of months back. I would argue there are plenty of signs that this is different to the one that played us, but only that they're worse. We that game we were basically at the start of this terrible run and they appear to be worse now. Which oh is gosh. why like you know, which is it's why I'm so scared about this game. <laughs> this, this is this is one of the few games where I, I I've said before, like if we lose games this season, for me uh, I'm still in that pressure off. It's quite like I'm annoyed, but it's fine because of where we are in the table at the moment and because there's no real pressure on us right now to have to win games. But if we lost this, I, I will be very disappointed. Oh, it definitely be. This, this is one where I'd be, I, to be honest, yeah, I'd be fuming if we lost this. Uh, so I'm going 1-0 Newcastle. Jack's <laughs> <laughs> uh, reverted to type from last season. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to be. I'm going to be very positive. I'm going to say. I'm going to say a three 0 win for us. Um, you know, whichever, whichever way I think we set up, um, and I would at this point like to see us go back to Alien and Dallas as our fullbacks. Yeah, I'm but, really, really hoping we do that. That's why I'm wanting Lorente to start. Llorente, yeah. Llorente. I keep saying Llorente, and I know <laughs> that's not right, but I just keep doing it. But I mean, I mean, if we go three at the back, do you think we go with Phillips in there, or do you see Llorente, Cooper, and Strike? I I would like to see an actual back three, but I don't think Bielsa will pick that as a side. I think we'll pick it as if it's four one four one, and if we have to drop into a three. Yeah. It depends what the original back four is. Because if the original back four is ailing, say it's ailing Urente, Cooper, Dallas, it might well move ailing inside. It depends who else plays, I suppose. Yeah. Like, it, it look, depends. Look, how I, many I permuta- think- look at the permutations we have now that one central defender is coming back. Yeah, I. I do think that he'll pick it as if it's 4-1-4-1 and if we have to drop into a back three, whoever makes the most sense will drop in. A lot might depend on if they get an inclination before the game. If it's Carroll and Wilson, it's two up front. If it's Joe Linton and Wilson, Joe Linton will play off the front and like almost Mark Phillips and then we'll be mm. actually just play 4-1-4-1 anyway. So if 
if Leeds here, and I know stuff like that always gets out, if it sounds like Joe Linton's going to play and it's not actually going to be two up front, then it'll definitely be first. But I would like to see you and Tane Cooper together for certain. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be nice to, to get to something approximating a proper back four again. And, and as much as we all like Alioski, his form has been hit and miss at times. Yeah. Alioski, um, I, I love Alioski a bit. I, I don't think that he's a Premier League player. I think he can be in your squad, but I don't think he should be playing much. Yeah, and, I, he's, I, de- and he's also not really a left back. Yeah, I, I'm I'm happy to have him on the bench and and have him come in to cover for one or two games, but but him at left back has been going on for a while now. Yeah. Um, but to to be honest, against someone like Newcastle, is it's probably also still a great time to have Alioski in the side just for his work rate against a team like that. I will work his ass off. And as I say, I don't dislike him and I think he can be in the Mm. squad. I just don't think he should be starting as much as he is. But I said that about Liam Cooper and being in a championship winning side and was completely and utterly wrong. So, (laughs) you know, now I'm delighted that he's back for us in Premier League. Uh, So, yeah, I think unless we've got out to add, that'll do us. I think that's everything. Uh, I am just, I just, just to make myself happy again, I'm just going to say Frank Lampard got sacked. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're on Twitter at Mighty White's Pod uh, and at MightyWhitesPodcast.com, and there, all the podcast providers will have the audio version. And this time, I'll actually remember to upload it, unlike the last one, because straight after the last one, we had Zoom beers with friends and then totally forgot. <laughs> You know, my bad. It was completely my fault. Uh, this one will be straight out. The stuff we write goes on through it all together, which is at THIU, it's all LUFC, and through it all together at SBNation.com. Uh, I, yeah, I did just have a quick glance at Twitter just to check nothing major had broke, and it hasn't. So that'll do us. I have been Jack. I'll see you later. I've been Casey. Have a good one. In a bit. <laughs> <laughs>